wizard. <laughs> that is not what I expected. That I... <laughs> Proper scary. Red or red or blue, he said. Well, I said I'm gonna go blue. Show me a skull wizard at the end. Said he said he, he said said hey up, hey up, Chuck, you want a cup of tea? Chose a blue ending. Should have gone red. Red better. That's my favourite. I just wanna snow wizard. All these Americans going past the queue, was it? <laughs> what was it scary in there? No, it wasn't. It was just a snow, was it, at the end? <laughs> yeah, yeah with, his, with his big staff. <laughs> Where hinges creak in doorless chambers. Where strange and frightening sounds echo through the halls. This is the Theme Park Loopy Podcast. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Theme Park Loopy Podcast. Today I'm joined by Sam. And we're going to talk about some of the highs and lows from my trip to Orlando. I've just been back for a couple of weeks and I've been thinking about what's gone well, what didn't go so well. So I'm going to go through the highs and lows of the trip. I'm also going to talk a little bit about Halloween Horror Nights and I'm going to give you the rundown on the best houses, in my opinion, and the worst houses, in my opinion. So lots and lots to talk about. How are you doing, Sam? Hello, Ryan. It's been a long time. How long has it been now since we've had a conversation? Um, I want to say, I want to say a month, two months, maybe. Been a while, but um, yeah. it's lovely to be back on the show. Lovely to be back on the podcast, uh, and I genuinely can't wait to hear about your trip. It seems like it's been a whirlwind of an experience, and I just can't wait. Uh, but yeah, I'm doing well, thank you. I'm cracking on here in the Middle East. Uh, everything's going swimmingly. Uh, with with work, no pun intended. So uh, yeah, it's all good fun, and um, our theme park season is kicking off even more so here, uh, which is exciting because we're entering our peak winter season. So all the tourists come over to this part of the world, um, where everywhere else gets a little bit colder. We get, you know, I guess we bring the sunshine and uh, and <laughs> we get the crowds. So it's, it's it's a good thing. It's exciting. Yeah. So everywhere gets colder. And in Abu Dhabi, it gets a little bit colder, <laughs> a little bit colder, um, but not really at all. Probably still very hot, I imagine. It, yeah, it is. It is still hot out here. I mean, um, in the summer, we were reaching temperatures of 40, 45, 50 degrees. Uh, now we've gone down to a slightly cooler 30, 29, that kind of thing. All right. Well, I mean, that's that's manageable. That's not too bad. That's more like... Florida kind of weather, you know, when you get into like 30, 29. And we are talking Celsius, by the way, not Fahrenheit uh, for any US listeners, because I've spent two weeks confusing people about the weather because people have been saying, oh, how how cold does it get over in the UK? And I'm like, 
I'm like, we don't really get that cold. I mean, in summer, we, it's sometimes 30 degrees. I'm like, 30 degrees? That's free. I'm like, no, 30 degrees Celsius. I'm like, all oh, right, I get you. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I've had that whole conversation <laughs> for like two weeks. But yeah. Easily confused, easily confused. But speaking of yeah. Florida, Ryan, let's go. Talk about the trip. Tell me everything. How was it? Let's, 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 let's depack, unpack. Yeah, let's go for it. So I'm going to go through the highs first. Um, so starting with the hotel. So we stayed at Universal Resort. We stayed at Cabana Bay. And yeah, we loved the hotel. I mean, one thing to bear in mind is, you know, we went as a couple, not as a family. But Cabana Bay, it definitely is a family resort. But why we liked Cabana Bay is that it just has this kind of fun atmosphere about it lots of food choices the pools are great and the piece de resistance is that they have a lazy river as well i think it's the only lazy river on universal property um and well apart from at volcano bay but from the hotels and i don't think there's even a hotel at disney that has a lazy river to be honest so quite a unique thing to have a lazy river and we love that um so we found the food really good. The staff were really good there. We actually managed to upgrade our room as well. So because we went during Halloween Horror Nights, um, the hotel got really busy on a weekend. It was, from what I understand, it was completely fully booked on a weekend. But because we were there for two weeks, you know, like I guess a lot of people from the UK would stay for, you know, a couple of weeks usually, um we did manage to upgrade our room so for it worked out about eight pounds a night and we got a pool view room on a high floor didn't quite have a view of volcano bay but i could see the volcano if i kind of pressed my head against the window a little bit so maybe you know, a partial volcano view but yeah so the hotel was was great so i don't know i mean have you have you ever considered staying at cabana bay or would it be somewhere that you would maybe stay at in the future eight quid a night Essentially, that is that is a bargain and a half. That's unbelievable. Well, I mean, I would for eight quid a night, to be honest. Um, when you well, tally we it all up. Well, it was eight eight pound a night for the upgrade. It wasn't eight pound a night for the room. Um, oh right, but... <laughs> yeah, right. I was I was shocked. I yeah, was like, how no, did you no, swindle no. a deal like that? Yeah, um, yeah. Eight, no, it was. Uh, to be honest, I can't remember how much it was, but it was the price was very very comparative to probably like. In fact, I think it was a little bit cheaper than staying at All Stars in the end when I priced it all up. Um, so that, and also then it was an extra £8 a night to get the pool view room because we had a standard queen, double, you know, two twin queen, I don't know, twin queen room, whatever we call it, had two queen beds in it. We upgraded to a pool view room. That cost us an extra £8 a night. Sometimes if you're very lucky, they will just upgrade you anyway. But because Halloween Horror Nights was on and there were, there were chock-a-block on a weekend, it it wasn't an option for us to get lucky enough to get a free upgrade. But I thought for £8 a night, I couldn't I couldn't say no. So I said, I said yes. So, yeah. You can't say no to £8 a night, Kenny, for that pool view. No, fantastic. I've, um, so I've never actually stayed at Cabana Bay, I have stayed, uh, as we've spoken about in previous episodes at the Ramada Plaza, um, that is by Volcano Bay and that you get, you get a view of the volcano itself. Um, but 
I'm sold on the Lazy River. I want to ask more about this Lazy River. So did the Lazy River go around the pool or did it go around the entire complex of the hotel? No, so it had like its own area. So there were there were two main pools in the resort where the um, less family rooms were, where the, the towers are. They had a big pool there. And then to the side, there was like a lazy river and it, it kind of like snaked around. It was quite big. Like when I looked at it on the original plans, I thought, oh, it's a kind of small lazy river. But actually it was quite big. You were... It took about, you know, probably 10 minutes at least to get around. I mean, it obviously wasn't going that quickly round, but, you know, it was a good 10 minutes round and it kind of went in and out and sometimes it got quicker, sometimes it got slower. Um, so, yeah, it was really good, really relaxing. The only thing I would say is that it the, they didn't have the like the the, the fountains on uh, on the Lazy River while we were there, which was a bit of a shame. But to be honest, it was it was just good. Like, you know, you had to buy... I mean, you can take your own rubber rings, which is good because some hotels don't let you do that. But we actually, we actually bought some uh, while we're there because you could buy some at the pool. I think there were something like twenty dollars each or something, which is kind of a little bit expensive. However, what I would say is what what's a quite a good service that they offer? They'll give you a fully inflated uh, ring, uh, and you'll buy it. But what they do say is at the end of your stay. If you take your fully inflated ring back, they'll actually give you a brand new one in a package, like already deflated and everything. And you can take it home in your suitcase. So we did that on the last day. And um, behind me, I've got two brand new rubber rings ready for another holiday somewhere. So I thought that was a really nice touch because I didn't fancy deflating it and trying to dry it and then having this (laughs) sopping ring in my luggage. That is that is a really nice touch, actually. Yeah, I agree. And actually, that what a difference it makes um, to have something fresh. It's similar to like Trader Joe's, right? When you go to Trader Joe's and you buy a, uh, a you buy a cocktail, and every cocktail comes in a souvenir glass, and a part of the price is that you get the glass afterwards. But they don't ever give you the the glass that you've used. They give you a brand new glass, so it's nice because it's clean, and it's fresh. Um, that's lovely that they do that. And what a unique feature as well to have a lazy river in the middle of the hotel. You could just sit on there for hours and with your, were you allowed drinks in the pool? Do they allow drinks in the pool? You could float down with a, with a drink in your hand. So no, you weren't meant to take drinks in. Some people did, but you weren't meant to. Um, to be fair, the, the lifeguards were very relaxed about everything. You know, you, you sometimes go some places and the lifeguards are like, they make you feel a bit nervous, you know, they're so on it with everything, you know, but these guys, they were like really professional, like really on it from a job perspective, but they weren't over the top that they made you kind of feel like nervous all the time. (laughs) So yeah, while you weren't allowed to take drinks in, to be fair, they were quite relaxed about, you know, everything else. So it was good. So, I mean, while we're on drinks, um, it's worth mentioning that one really good thing that they offer at Cabana Bay and other Universal Resorts, as well as far as I'm aware, is that you can buy uh, a soft drink resort mug uh, that cost us, I think it was $19, I think, for the entire stay. So that's like 15 days, I think it worked out. Uh, for, for $20 each, you know, $19 each, I think it was. And, you know, how much money are you saving there? Because you go into the freestyle machines and you're getting drinks all the time. And you've only spent $20 for the entire stay for two weeks. So two weeks worth of drinks for $20. That's incredible. That's that's $1 a day for unlimited soda. 
roughly. Yeah, it's one point two. It's a great offer. I mean, the thing is with that offer is that the less time that you stay in the hotel, uh, it's kind of more expensive, right? Because if you stay for three days, it's something like ten dollars. But if you stay for longer, I think it was longer than seven days, then the entire stay was like nineteen dollars. So if you're there for like a month or something, you just get it for like nineteen dollars. So that's good. Um the other thing from a drinks perspective is in the two pool bars that they had at the different pools, they had um pre-mixed cocktails, you know, like slushed uh, cocktails, uh, uh, different ones like margaritas and daiquiris, things like that. And you could buy uh, a souvenir mug for $16, and then the refills would be $12. So you could then get top-up cocktails for $12. So I guess while $12, it's still, it's still kind of expensive for a cocktail from a non-holiday perspective. That's still a saving, you know, because otherwise the cocktail would have cost $16. So, you know, all the all the pennies count. So, so they had all these little incentives that, that we really liked. And also they had uh, some pool entertainment as well. They had a quiz one day. They made us feel really old one day, though, because um, they were doing a quiz at one of the pools. And um, they kept bringing up uh, musical songs for musicals. And they're going, oh, I, I wouldn't get this. I'm I'm too young to get this. But maybe the the older generation might get this. And then they kind of looked over at me and Shelley, and I was like, Are we the older generation? Like, they did you dirty? Yeah. They did you dirty? <laughs> but yeah, so I was like, mm, okay, well, we're not that old, but yeah, thanks. Um, so that was good. And then top fact, uh, one of the pools at Cavana Bay was actually used during the filming of Sharknado Three. So, so oh, that really? was a yeah. So that was a, a fun fact uh, that we found out while we were there. Um, Sharknado Three, what a classic! Yeah, so so that was good. So it was a good hotel. The other thing about staying at Universal is, unlike Disney, some of the hotels are really really close to each other. Um, so we literally walked across the road to Aventura and we went up to the rooftop bar there. That was fantastic. Got a, a cheeky view of Epic Universe from there, which is a lot closer to Universal than what I actually realized. I thought it was like miles away, but it's actually pretty close, actually. Um, and then we also went to Sapphire Falls as well, which is one of their medium hotels. And we went to the uh, the tavern there, at Storm Storm Tavern, Storm Along Tavern, Storm Away. Anyway, Storm Tavern, Storm Along Tavern, something like that. And it's all like Caribbean food and they had banana bread pudding. That was fantastic. Not cheap, but it was really, really nice. So it was good just being able to some days, you know, because we had to have some relaxing days. We couldn't just go, go, go. Um, It was great to be able to do that. And also the other thing I'll just quickly mention before I move on to something else, something that Disney don't do is that you can actually pool hop at Universal uh the only exception to that is if you're staying at endless summer resorts you're not allowed to pool hop and you can't pool hop to endless summer but if you're staying at cabana bay ventura sapphire falls even portofino hard rock you can go to reception and you can ask for a day pass and you can get entry into the pool so if you want a really uh, relaxing day uh, and you want to go to different pools then you can do that as well so that's a really good perk um that they don't offer it's quite fun that is, you yeah. could almost do a different drink and a different pool, like 
one for the morning, do that for a couple of hours, and then move around the different hotels. <laughs> yeah, and all the hotels have different themes and different things. You know, at Sapphire Falls, they had like Caribbean food, and I think at um, Portofino, they have more like Europeans. I think they have an uh, Italian restaurant there. Uh, where we were at Cabana Bay, they had the Bay Liner Diner, and that was like kind of like Americana type food. And it were all fine. It was pretty good. So, so yeah. Um, anyway, so, so actually, actually, sorry, uh, to, uh, to, just to pause you there. I do have another question then that I wanted to ask you, and this yep. was about the food. Now you said the food was good. I've never, I've not really looked or explored much about Cabana Bay, but food for me on vacation is extremely important because I like to stuff my face. Um, so calories don't count when you're on holiday, right? So. What were the food options? You said the food was good, but are we talking, is there a table service and a quick service? What's the what's the kind of food options there? So at Cabana Bay, it's all quick service, um, but it's, it's kind of like a food court. So you, you go into the food court and they have different stations that you can go to. They had uh, like a salad station. They had a station that did like international uh, type food. They had like a pizza one. They had like a deli, so you could get like a sandwich. They had a grill where you could get like burgers and I think you could get like a steak as well. Um, and then there was another stand that used to do like kind of like lighter things as well, you know, like lighter bowls and things like that. Um, they did that. And then on on the morning, they, they changed up for breakfast. So you could get either like pancakes or you could get, uh, you know, French toast and all that kind of classic stuff as well. So, yeah, so they had quite a good, good choice of stuff. I mean, it's. The food wasn't at, at Cabana Bay. I wouldn't say the food was, you know, mind blowing, but it all smelt nice and it was really nice. And yeah, and I'd, I'd definitely say it was uh, worth the money as well. So yeah, fantastic. Lots of options then to be had. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So yeah, I definitely. If you know, if you're looking for a hotel that's on the, it's not on the budget side, but it's on that kind of you know medium scale. Uh, that's not too expensive. Um, and especially if you're looking for somewhere, like if you're looking for a kind of fun resort, then I would definitely recommend Cabana Bay. We did consider staying at Sapphire Falls and Aventura. What put us off Aventura was that it's just basically one tower and it kind of felt a kind of corporate. But when we went and checked it out, it did actually have a bit more of a relaxed vibe to it. So we would consider staying there next time. And the other one we considered staying at was Sapphire Falls. But what put us off Sapphire Falls was, well, not only was it, it was quite a bit more expensive than Cabana Bay and Aventura, but it's also got like a conference center attached to it. And sometimes, you know, Orlando is a bit of a conference hub. And, you know, if you don't quite go the right week and it's like conference city, you know, it can really kind of spoil your holiday a little bit. Um and we did actually find that the day that we chose to go to Sapphire Falls, there was loads of people in suits, you know, doing business and stuff. And it kind of just makes you feel like you're sat there in the restaurant in like, you know, I was wearing like a kind of casual shirt and stuff, you know, so I wasn't like super scruffy or all. But when you're surrounded by people in like suits and stuff, doing business and like talking about serious stuff, you're like, oh, I kind of feel a little bit out of place here. So that's the only thing I would say about Sapphire Falls is, but on the way home, we bumped into a couple of people who uh, actually stayed at Sapphire Falls, and I did ask them the question. I said, "Did it feel? Did it feel really corporate?" And they said, "Well, actually, for a couple of days, it kind of did, but actually, for the rest of the time, it was really relaxed and really good." So I guess it just depends when you go. And if you're there for a couple of weeks, then if you can put up with a couple of days of 
a lot of people doing business, then, um, you know, maybe that's for you. And they do have a really cool pool there as well. Um, so, yeah. So, yeah, <laughs> we did a bit of resort hopping and, you know, we wanted to kind of check out what was going on. Um, okay. All right. So moving on to, I've got a couple of ride uh, highs as well. So my first high was Guardians of the Galaxy. Um, I don't know what I, I wasn't, I know people have been talking about Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh, it's really good. But people talk about that all the time with rides. And I just thought, you know what? I'm not going to get taken by the hype. I, it, it, it's it's a roller coaster in the dark, whatever. We'll see what happens. But that, that... It, gen, it, it genuinely blew me away. It really, really was an exciting ride. I loved it. That, that was going to be the next thing I was going to say is it has been overhyped and I am so jealous that you've done it. I haven't looked at any spoilers. I am so unbelievably jealous that you've got to experience this thing. But I guess, were you nervous going in with the hype being so, so at large? Yeah, I was a little bit because, you know, I've seen this so many times that people go, oh, it's the best thing. It's the best thing in the world, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I've kind of seen it get constructed and... Ultimately, um, you know, it has got a unique ride system, but it's not, um, you know, it's it's a it's a it's a family coaster. End of the day, I would class it as, you know, I'd class it as a family coaster alongside, you know, similar to kind of Hagrid's, I guess, on the frill perspective. Um, but yeah, so I was a little bit like, is this going to be overhyped? What didn't help is that after we went through the the pre-show is that blew me away that was amazing the pre-show but then after the pre-show they they kind of it almost becomes like a rise of resistance thing it's like go 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 gotta move go we need to move through these corridors go 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 and then but what kind of spoil it is everyone were like pumped up and like oh yeah let's go 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 like after the amazing pre-show and then straight into a queue and you're like oh but this has really broken the immersion <laughs> like we're in a queue then what didn't help is the ride then got delayed and what annoys me about, I mean, they spend all this money on these rides. Then when there's a delay, they haven't paid for an actor to come up with like a witty way of saying there's a delay. It's always, oh, by the way, just to let you know, we're delayed by a couple of minutes. And it's like, oh, like, come on. Like, surely we could have had Terry Crews go, hey, we're, you know, we're delayed for a couple of minutes. Just hang tight. Blah, blah, blah. That would have been so much better than someone coming on like a microphone going, oh, just let you know, we're delayed. So just hug around a little bit. And I was a bit like, oh, my God. So that kind of ruined it a little bit. And I was like, oh, no, I'm, I'm, this is not good at this point. I was a bit worried. And Shelley turned around to me and she went, well, that spoiled it a bit, didn't it? And I was like, yeah, it does a bit. The pacing is not right uh, after the after the pre-show. However, then the ride vehicle uh, came in and we went down into the loading dock in the station. It was all uphill from there. Um really surprised uh, i don't know how much you know about it so i won't go into the ride elements but i was really surprised by some of the elements it was a lot more thrilling than what i expected i kind of expected it to be kind of you know it's like like a gentle spin and uh, we're kind of going around a bit i kind of expected that but it was actually genuinely really thrilling actually i was really surprised i mean it helps being in the dark because obviously um it feels like you're going quicker and it always feels a little bit more thrilling so maybe it was it felt like it was going faster than what it did the visuals are really good, but um, yeah, no, I, I enjoyed all of it. I thought it was really good. I, I don't enjoy the whole virtual queue thing, to be honest, um, but yeah, it was really good, so I really enjoyed it. 
That's great to hear. It's definitely sounding like it's a top, top coaster to visit this year. And, uh, and in general, like a standout now for the Disney parks. I know quite a few people who I work with who are American on this side of the world that have since gone back home to visit. They're from the Orlando area. And they'll literally go to Epcot just to do that one ride because they love it so much. So um, it seems to just be getting rave reviews no matter you know, no, 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 no matter the weather. So, uh, no, it's, that's, that's, that's awesome. I'm glad it didn't disappoint. Yeah, no, it's fantastic. And you know, the other thing is, um, we did test track as our first ride, uh, when we went into Epcot and it, it felt a lot more thrilling than what I remember. <laughs> so I remember we had this whole conversation, um, a month or so ago when I was saying that test track were thrilling and Dan was saying, Oh, I thought it was quite gentle. So I was thinking that I was kind of second guessing myself and thinking, Oh, maybe, maybe I've just kind of confused it, but no, it was genuinely quite thrilling. Especially around that final bend, you know, where you go under the speedometer and it says like 64 or something or 63.5 or whatever it is. And you're absolutely, you know, pedal to the metal it really it really is fast yeah i mean the only thing i would say about test track is i, I miss that the doors are broken you know when it used to go up to the door and then the doors open and then you see the sunlight and then you kind of blast off the doors are broken so they don't do that anymore uh but from what i understand oh, it's, it's it's due its refurb um is test track so it's going to get its um it's meant to get one every 10 years or something as part of the deal with uh, Chrysler. So I think that's just part of it. I think they've just gone, well, it's due a refurb, so we won't fix the doors. So that was a bit of a shame because that's kind of like one of the best bits, you know, when you like head towards the door and then the door like goes, Woof, and then you're like, ah. <laughs> so that was a bit of a shame. Uh, but yeah, other ride highlight was Manta at SeaWorld. Now, um, last time we went, we didn't get to go on Manta. It was down every time we wanted to go on it and then we just didn't get a chance. Um, but yeah, so we finally got a Manta. I was a bit worried because it didn't go, it wasn't running all morning and Kraken was closed. Kraken's closed at the moment. I think it's due to open very soon though. Um, so I was getting a bit, and also I didn't see, um, I didn't see a couple of rides going around. I was like, I was getting a bit worried because the park was really, really quiet. It was really, really quiet. So I was getting worried. But eventually we did get onto Manta and we luckily we got given the back row. Now, I would have to say that going through that pretzel loop uh, on your back is the most intense roller coaster experience I've ever had, genuinely. <laughs> that was so intense. Like, I very rarely have to close my eyes. Like when something, you know, when something gets so intense and you've got to kind of close your eyes to stop yourself kind of graying out. Um, I very rarely have to do that, but I did have to do that on that element. That was crazy. And I think I sent you all a message when I came off. I was like, wow, wow, wow. <laughs> that was completely bonkers. That was my. I was going to say, uh, that was going to be my first question to you was, how did you fare with that loop? Because it is so intense. And it really doesn't let up. I mean, it's wonderful. You just go swooping down on your back. And yeah, it really does push all the blood to your head like never before. Um, I totally agree with you, Ryan. That is easily one of the most intense experiences, coaster experiences you can have, um, where it really makes you grit your teeth. But that was going to be my question to you, is how did you fare with that loop? Because 
Holy Moses, that is uh, <laughs> that is really intense. Yeah, I mean, obviously the first drop is is quite intense comparison in comparison to something like uh, Galactica or Air. Um, but as we started going, I was a bit like, oh, this isn't as intense as what people had led me to believe. But then when it flipped you on your back and we went went down, I was like, oh my. I was like, this is intense. I was like, this is incredible. Um, but yeah, I loved it, loved it. So, But I mean, the thing is, I didn't get a chance to go on like the front row. So I don't know what the difference is, but I have a feeling that the back row must be more intense. So I'd, it's probably intense anyway, but it probably dials it up to 11 if you're on the back row. It was absolutely mind-blowing, honestly. So yeah, loved it. The only thing, I mean, I'll, I'll get onto this on, on the lows anyway potentially but i might as well mention it now while i remember the only thing i would say about sea world is that while they've got some incredible coasters particularly the more legacy coasters like like manta and kraken i was very disappointed by some of their newer coasters i guess or at least one of their newer coasters in particular which was icebreaker incredibly uncomfortable uh hardly any room to i mean i i'm not i i'm a pretty small person really struggled to just even get into it to begin with uh the lap bar it has like a wedge on it like um i don't know if you remember like like the lap bars that you have on like gringotts or on the mummy they're kind of a flat and they kind of like press against your, your stomach and it's kind of comfortable like whatever size you are that one it had like a kind of wedge on it and so unless you could put it all the way down to like literally your lap and i know i've got i have lost a bit of weight but i've got a little bit of a belly so it didn't go quite all the way down it literally kind of wedged into me uh so we're riding around it and and while some of the elements were kind of fun it was incredibly painful and um the shame is that it was completely dead. There was no one where I was thinking, oh, I'll go around a few times on this because there's no queue. As soon as I got off, I was like, I am never going on that roller coaster ever again. That is the most uncomfortable ride I've ever been on. So talk about the sub- sublime to the ridiculous at SeaWorld. And um, I just wonder if they're kind of throwing some coasters up, you know, because they need, they want to get more coasters in. They want to be this kind of coaster capital of Orlando, etc. But have the have they really got the right product? Have they, have they really fought it all through? And um, Icebreaker is not a good example of a, of a coaster, I'm afraid. Um, surf coaster, um, I didn't mind it, but you've got to be really careful. If you are a person with testicular, then be really careful because the ride... With testicle, um, <laughs> you're ridiculous. You're ridiculous. Um, because you know, because it, it's not like a normal standing coaster. Um, you have to stand up straight, and they kind of lock you in a position, and then it will kind of bounce up and down. And then, unless you're really, really tall, it will kind of bounce you up and down. But it's fine floating upwards. Coming down is something you need to be really careful about because it really slams you down. And you want to make sure that your feet are in a straight position. Because if they're not, then you're going to be in trouble. Let's just say that. Uh, so the the launch was okay. 
it, you know, it's not a hydraulic launch, so it's not going to take your breath away. It was okay. It was a kind of fun experience, you know, being, you know, being stood up on a launch, you know, enjoyed that. The ride was, you know, kind of fun, but, um, and I kind of, for the first couple of times it lifted up, I kind of enjoyed it. But then towards the end, I was thinking, actually, I don't know if I'm, I don't know if I'm enjoying this or not. Um, so yeah, so it was, it was was an endurance, (laughs) it was an endurance test. (laughs) Yeah, we you could say that, and 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 of course that you need to be very alert on. Let's just say you need to be very alert to make sure there's no unintended consequences of riding that coaster. And I think that's one of the reasons why the staff are very so. Originally, when it opened, one of the top tips of getting on the ride was to kind of bend your knees slightly uh when it locks in and then you get a bit more of a bounce. But I think since then the staff have got really hot on making sure that your your feet are very your legs are very very straight when they lock you in and i think that's probably the reason because if you kind of bended your legs and it locked you in at a lower position then you are going to get smacked into the sheet <laughs> like there's no, no two ways about it so yeah something just to be just to be careful of however sea world does lead me on to the next high which is uh food uh in general in uh the resorts and the parks uh we had a pretty good experience overall with food uh shout out in particular to the all-day dining at SeaWorld. i think i feel like we only paid like maybe an extra 25 pounds to 30 pounds each for the all-day dining uh but when we added it all up we'd, we'd probably spent like 120 dollars each worth of food um, you know, obviously it's overinflated to make it kind of look like you're spending more, but the food was pretty good. Uh, we had mainly had chicken and and some other dishes that they had. Uh, we tried to stay away from having like burgers and stuff like that as much as possible. Um, so we went mainly for like chicken and, and barbecue food and, and things like that, where we we're having like protein as much as possible and veg. Um, but yeah, so that was pretty good. So I would recommend getting the all day dining, uh, if you go to SeaWorld, I don't think they have a rule about you having to have the all day dining for every member of your party. We saw a lot of families where the adults had the all day dining, but the kids didn't. And because you got like a side and a dessert with your main, they were kind of sharing parts of the main with the kids the kids were having the dessert or the kids were having the side because in some places you could get like a side of like mac and cheese or something and you got like a decent portion so the kids could have the mac and cheese and the dessert and you have the main or whatever and you could have a new you could have a new meal every every 90 minutes so it's every hour and a, i think it was 90 minutes uh that have a nice, you know, so, that's wild yeah, so I kept setting my timer. <laughs> like setting my timer, I was like, right, let's set the timer again for when we can have food again. But um, they gave you so much. I mean, the portions, uh, you know, it's America. The portions are bigger, uh, and it did fill you up. But, yeah, it was a really good deal. So I would definitely recommend that. You can get exactly the same deal at Bush Gardens as well. Um, I, I don't know. We didn't get to Bush Gardens. Uh, I think there's slightly less options at Bush Gardens. But if you get a deal like we did, where actually it's not a lot more, I'd, I'd definitely get it. It's a no-brainer for me, that one. Okay, so I've got a food-related question then for you, uh, since we're on the topic of food. Did you have 
or what was your newly discovered favorite food item? So was there a food item that you discovered or you perhaps tried for the first time on this trip that you fell in love with? Hmm, good question. I would say it's a toss-up between the banana bread pudding at Sapphire Falls um, or the pretzel sticks at Margaritaville in Universal because they were really nice. (laughs) So, yeah, not particularly healthy food, but I would say they were definitely some, some discoveries that we enjoyed quite a bit. The pretzel sticks. Now, were these, because you can get all kinds of pretzels, right? Were these filled pretzels? Were these plain pretzels with just the salt on? Were these sweet pretzels with the with cinnamon on? What was the pretzel situation? Yeah, so they were plain savory pretzels, but they were like kind of bready, you know, the kind of bready pretzels that, that we don't really get over here. Uh, but they were really big, like maybe uh, almost like a foot long or something, um, to be honest. I think that might have even been a foot long. And you got a few of them. We shared it. And then you got a few dips with it. Like you got got like a cheesy dip. I think you also got a ranch dip. They're obsessed with ranch over there, but it, it tastes like a kind of not so nice version of salad cream, to be honest. So I'm not a fan of ranch. Um, but that yeah, is blasphemous. That is blasphemous, Ryan. Ranch is the best thing known to man and mustard. Ranch and mustard. Ugh. No, no. I Everyone kept giving us ranch everywhere. And I had to keep just like, I'm not going to eat that. <laughs> it's not nice. So, um, yeah. But, but that was good. But to be honest, I would say Margaritaville. Definitely worth going for the margaritas and the service. It was really good. The food is, apart from the pretzel sticks, which were really nice, and apparently they do really nice um, nachos. So uh, apparently at Margaritaville, they do really nice nachos. We didn't try them. We did see them. looked incredible. Apart from that, the food was kind of like bog standard. Um, It was okay, but it was kind of expensive for what it was. But I'd say overall, for the experience, for the service, for the pretzel sticks, um, and for the margaritas, I would say it's definitely worth going to Margaritaville. And it's really, really close to Islands of Adventure. You can literally hop out of Islands of Adventure, and it's like there. So you can't really go wrong, really. R.I.P. Jimmy Buffett. What a legend. His legacy will live on in Margaritaville. And what other restaurant can you go to where there's a volcanic eruption every like 60 minutes or something, and then they play Margaritaville on, on the screen? That was kind of crazy. I mean, you know, I don't know. I don't know if the volcano is going to... Oh, no, what's the song? Oh, I messed that gag up. I had a whole gag about that. I don't know. I don't know if I'm about to go where the volcano blows. That's why they um play that. But that's why the volcano erupts, right? Because of his famous song about the volcano, which they made into a real thing. No, I didn't know that. I, well, I presumed it was something. I don't to know Jimmy if Buffett. I'm about to go where the volcano blows. Uh, yeah, okay. that's one of his famous songs. And they created the actual volcano. Um, yeah, and that, that was kind of fun. Now, the other thing on food, I would say, is I think that I've been to nearly every character dining now at disney um apart from hollywood and vine and i think there's one at cape may maybe is it cape may there's another character diner at one of the resorts uh, that i've not been to but I've, i've been to all the other ones now so um 
this time we decided to go to Topolino's, which is at the Riverside Resort. And it is a genuinely, genuinely really good experience. Now, a lot of people, when they think about character dining, they kind of think kids, chaos, you know, everything's going on. But it was actually really well organized. The restaurant is really nice. It's a really nice restaurant. The food was really, really good. <laughs> I had steak and eggs uh, for breakfast. Uh, we went for breakfast. That was really good. Shelley had like a, a quiche, which was really nice. Um, you got like a patisserie selection uh, with like a kind of chocolate spread and honey and things with like um, an artist's uh, brush type thing that you could um, put your uh, chocolate and stuff on your patisserie. There was uh, all, it was a Fab Four. So it was Mickey, Minnie, Daisy, and Donald. Um, and at the Riviera, because it's like um, a European kind of themed resort, it's like mainly mainly French, I would say, but maybe with some other European elements as well. The characters are all dressed up as if they've been on a trip to Europe. So um, Daisy, for example, is dressed as a ballerina. She's been taking dance classes. Uh, Donald is uh dressed like a sculptor uh, sculptor and he's made an absolute mess and i told him so i said donald you have made a complete mess of yourself what is going on uh mickey has been painting and uh i can't remember oh minnie uh is a poet she's been learning uh poetry so that was kind of interesting so yeah it was really good and the kind of obviously a part of character dining they kind of all come around you know one by one i think you see you see Mickey first, Mickey comes and sees you first, and then you'll see Minnie, and then they kind of come round, and I think we saw Daisy or Donald last. Um, and then at the end of your meal, they invite you to go out on the terrace and take in the views, and you can see over towards Hollywood Studios and Epcot and the Skyliner and Caribbean Beach Resort and everything. Then after that, we thought, right, okay, because we're having kind of a relaxing resort day, and it was still quite early. We got the Skyliner, and um, we went to Hollywood Studios, and then we got the bus to Port Orleans um, Resort, and we got some beignets, um, and they were pretty good as well. Um, we enjoyed the beignets, but they give you, you can get like a set of four or get two. Um, oh no, it was a set of three. It was a kind of weird number. You couldn't just get get like two it was either like three or six or something and we was only two of us so i got three i didn't realize they were gonna be so big (laughs) i thought beignets would be you know like kind of like you know fit in the palm of your hand or something these were like massive and like the mickey shaped uh, well they've got like ears on i guess um and they were really nice as well but we did struggle to eat three of them (laughs) so that uh, that's the only thing i would say but that was a discovery as well so we we discovered a lot of new things on this trip so it was really good were they so were the beignets like a donut? Is that because that's what I'm envisioning? Like they're like a, a cakey donut situation. It's like a really light donut, uh, with like uh, it's like a kind of fried light donut, and then it's right. got like a, uh, sh- uh, you know, sugar powder on it, um, on top. That's what I was thinking. They, they'd kind of be like the same size as like a chicken nugget. You know what I mean? Like quite small and you just kind of have a little bag of them, you know? No, they're really big. Like if you put like both your hands together, or at least if I put both my hands together, I've got small hands. They could fit in like your cupped hand. <laughs> so they were quite big. 
so <laughs> they big. Big. <laughs> yeah i mean luckily um they had you know they always have like ones we cooked earlier on display or something so yeah. i was i was lucky that i saw them because originally that's what i thought for oh they'd be quite small i'll get a pack of six like we'll easily eat a pack of six if they're in like little things but no they were really big so i was like oh no i'll just have three but then there were loads of people going in like oh i'll have six i'm like you're not gonna eat six of them <laughs> like honestly they're so big um that's crazy yeah, that is crazy but yeah but I, I guess you could because it was so light though that i mean you could easily you could easily go through them but of course we'd only just had breakfast like you know 45 minutes earlier um uh, we did struggle to eat three of them to be fair um but yeah so that was a that was a discovery as well that kind of leads me on to another highlight which was resorts and the transport as well um one thing we didn't do on our last trip is something that I really wanted to do is kind of get around the resorts a little bit more and kind of use the transport a bit. We just didn't get a chance to do it last time. So on this trip, we made sure that we made a concerted effort to have some days that we could go to Disney or go around Universal, get on the free transport, get on the Skyliner. We got on uh, a couple of boats as well, a couple of boat trans uh, transports, which was really good as well. The boat transport between... Um, Port Orleans and Disney Springs is a really nice way to get to Disney Springs. Uh, I definitely recommend that. Um, so yeah, that was really good, and we and we saw quite a number of the resorts. You know, we saw Riverside, we saw Port Orleans, we saw the Boardwalk, we saw the Yacht Club, we saw Caribbean Beach. Um, there was uh, some other ones that we saw as well. So I, I can't remember right now, but we really got around and um, the other. When we went to Epcot, we walked. You can walk out of Epcot out of International Gate, and you can go down to the uh, Yacht Club and the Beach Club, which kind of connected to each other. And we went to Beaches and Cream, which is in that area. That was pretty good. We enjoyed. That. Yeah, I was going to say, what did you think of that? Because that is, first of all, that is one of the nicest areas. That kind of walkway between. So you got the boardwalk, and then, as you say, um, uh the uh where beaches and cream is um those two connecting resorts that is one of the nicest areas and quietest areas like un almost feels a bit undiscovered you know what i mean what so what did you make to beaches and cream because it's iconic right yeah i mean it was really really hot that day when we went to epcot it was i think it was about 32 degrees so we were kind of we planned to go to beaches and cream i had it booked but i was really glad to get out of epcot and we kind of went a little bit earlier so we went down to the alum compass which is close by i think that's in the yacht club i get confused between the two because they're kind of part of the same thing but we went to the alum compass and uh, really surprised by alum compass that was a really we're into the lounge we didn't go into the restaurant and we had some cocktails in there and they were really friendly and that were really nice then after we had a few cocktails we then went to beaches and cream now the food in beaches and cream is um yeah, it's kind of it's kind of like bog standard. It's kind of like diner type food. So we had, I think we shared a French dip, which is basically like a beef and onion sandwich that comes with like a kind of oniony kind of sauce that you kind of dip into, and that was pretty good. We like that. And then we share. Oh, we had some tots as well, but like you know, it's just like tots, tots everywhere. Um, then we we shared. Uh, I think it was a Snickers, um, a Snickers Sunday. Now, I do you know what? Sundays in the UK, if you get a Sunday, it's like in a little 
a little kind of dish and it's like you know maybe a few three three scoops of ice cream quite a thin thin you know uh a thin uh cup type thing and you'll get like a long spoon and it'll be gone in like two minutes i i were thinking oh maybe we'll get a sunday each now don't because they're so gigantic we shared the snickers uh sunday it was gigantic it was so big and uh, we got through it but it was really really nice so i would definitely recommend going for the ice cream uh we had some food because i just felt like i can't just come here and just eat the ice cream like i thought we're gonna have to eat something savory we need to eat something savory before we eat ice cream and i don't know about you but i always enjoy eating ice cream or something like that more if i've had something savory before so i wanted to make sure we did that so we did that but yeah the service were pretty good it was kind of like hectic in there i think i have got a video i've not shared it yet but when they bring out the um kitchen sink which is the kind of famous gigantic ice cream that they do that has like everything in it and a whole can of cream on top they make like a big deal of it they go we've got a kitchen sink and it's got not one but two whole cans of cream on it or whatever um and it's um all that kind of stuff uh going on and that was quite fun so yeah we really enjoyed it i'd recommend going and it's not far from epcot if if you're okay with walking it's no more than 10 minutes uh down to the beaches and cream I have never been able to finish Kitchen Sink. I remember I tried to do it with myself and three friends on our college program years ago. And uh, we couldn't do it between between the three of us. We really tried. But yeah, they had the whole funfair. It's a real fun challenge meal that, you know, even if you're going to split that between a few of you, even if you're, you're, you know you're not going to finish it, which realistically... I, I don't know who, who, if anyone could, but because um, it's it's so big, but it's really fun that the show of it all and the challenge and the the atmosphere and the hype it's it's great, um, and I actually really enjoy a French dip as well. They do a number of different French dips in uh, on Disney property. My favorite French dip um, a sandwich is at the Be Our Guest restaurant at the Magic Kingdom, which if you go for the quick service uh, lunch deal you're gonna still be able to go into the restaurant without doing the full uh dining table service credit um but the fun thing is that um the french dip there is on the menu and it's and it's on the dinner menu as well but it's also on the quick service menu and it is so so good and so fresh so i love a disney french dip so i'm with you on that ryan yeah it was it was really nice um Okay, well, uh, before I move on to the next one, while I'm on transport, uh, we have had a few questions on Instagram. By the way, if you follow us on Instagram um, at Theme Park Loopy, we we will often ask questions and we'll we'll answer them on on the podcast. And so I'll go through the first one, which is related to transport. So uh, Towers Adam asks us, "Must you rent a car, or can you get about with public transport slash resort buses, Uber, etc." Now, um, in my opinion, I don't think, unless you're planning to go out to the coast and to lots of different areas uh, outside of Orlando and you're going to be kind of making quite long trips, I don't think it makes financial sense to rent a car anymore. Now, we have rented a car in the past, but the thing is that you have to remember is that you'll pay for the car rental, which is not that cheap these days. You've then got to pay for parking if you go to the parks and you're talking like 25 dollars a day now 
And so you only need to go to, you know, a park every other day and you're spending hundreds of dollars on just parking. Some hotels even charge for parking. Unfortunately, at Universal, they do charge for parking, but I think at Disney, they don't now uh, for guests. So in my mind, um, I think just be careful about where you're going to stay. If if you're worried about transport and you don't need to stay in like a villa, for example, which are usually a bit out of, you know, they're not usually around the international drives. They'll be sort of Kissimmee and other areas. Just stay somewhere that does have transport or is reasonably close to a park. So either stay close to Disney, uh, where you're quite close to somewhere like Disney Springs, which is kind of like a transport hub, or stay near Universal up International Drive. And a lot of hotels have free transport, or you can use the iTrolley, which is like $2 a ride, or you can get um, like a weekly pass or something. Um, when you're on property, you any anyone can use the transport. You do not have to be staying in a hotel to use resort transport is for any guest of Walt Disney property or Universal property that includes a Skyliner that includes the boats as well the other thing that we did this time is that we made big use of Uber which you mentioned and and to be honest I honestly think that they've made it so easy now to get an Uber they have an Uber hub at Universal near the uh, main gate where Ubers will pick up like a sort of uh, relaxing area that you can go to. Every Disney park that we went to, we got an Uber to, and each one of them have a rideshare area now. So it's not awkward. You're not going to get kind of left at the gates and have to make a long walk. Often the rideshare areas are right next to the park, really convenient locations. And the price is not too bad. I would just make sure that if you're going to a Disney park and you're staying up near Universal, for example, that you get off quite early because the prices will go up because it's Uber as it gets busier. Now, if the park's going to open at nine, for example, and you try and get a taxi at nine o'clock, you're probably going to be paying almost double what you would have been at like half seven or something. So just plan ahead. The only exception I would say to that and something you need to be careful of is then getting home. Now, if, for example, you stayed uh, till 10 o'clock and watched the fireworks at Magic Kingdom and then you tried to get an Uber back from Magic Kingdom, you would probably be spending around $40 uh, and maybe even a bit more. Whereas to get there in the morning, it probably would have only cost you something like, uh, I think we paid about $15 to the transport center, uh, which is one of the more expensive parks, but still obviously not $40. What we did, however, is that we uh, took the free monorail and went to one of the monorail loop resorts. We went to the Contemporary. We then got a free transport bus to uh, Disney Springs, and then we got a taxi from Disney Springs. And often, we did that often, and we we found one day we actually saved $20 by doing that. So if you're not bothered about, you know, it's going to take you maybe up to an hour to sort of get to a, a, a hotel and then get to Disney Springs and then kind of walk to the the Uber space or the Lyft space at Disney Springs. If you're not worried about doing that, I mean, you're on holiday. We weren't bothered. We were like, you know, whatever. Uh, then you're going to save, you know, you'll save $20 at least or you might save a little bit less. Uh, the only exception to that and something, you know, caveat that as well is that if it's close to, the time that Disney Springs closes and that they're chucking out, then the Uber prices go up again. So it's very, there's, there's a very fair chance. There was one day that we did have to spend 
I think it was something like $25 to get back from Disney Springs, which was a lot more than what we were paying because we were paying more like sort of 12 to $14 home. So in my mind, you can definitely do it on transport. There's also the Lynx buses as well. A little bit harder to get to Disney if you're staying at International Drive because you'll have to change at SeaWorld. But that's an option as well. We found it dead easy. We didn't have a car and I didn't regret having a car. In fact, a car would have tied us down. We wouldn't have been able to go to Epcot and enjoyed, you know, having a few drinks and all that kind of stuff. I, I would just say stay away from having a car unless you really need one for whatever reason. I agree. I'm totally with you on this, uh, Ryan. I don't think particularly cars are worth it, as you say, unless you're going out to Key West or Bush Gardens. But even if you were to go to Bush Gardens, uh, there's the free bus from SeaWorld. So um, I would say, look, on vacation, you're there to relax and enjoy. And it's all about convenience. And Uber is very convenient there everywhere, whether you're iDrive, SeaWorld, Universal, Disney, wherever you are, um, you can get them nice and easy. And as long as you, as you say, you plan ahead, you can get to where you need to get to. Um, we found them really, really easy and useful when we went on our um, Orlando trip uh, last year in March. Um, we didn't find them to be any hassle. Again, maybe it was the time of year we were there as well. They were readily available the whole time. We spent roughly about, yeah, about 17 to $20 per journey um out between international drive and disney property um so that was pretty good uh, in general you know also you make again you made a great point about the 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 parking being 25 dollars you know a pop that's extremely expensive and also you don't want to spend your holiday stressing and sitting in traffic who wants to sit in traffic on i drive and i drive gets is busy all year round you know what i mean it's incredibly busy especially when you caveat that with um normal work day and weekday hours you know because people in in orlando do work in orlando as well so there's normal rush hour just like there is and in, in any other place in the world so if you drive you've just got the added hassle of um a sitting in traffic having to navigate uh you know the parking and then imagine as well if you're trying to get out of the parking areas when the park is kicking out well, you're going to be stuck in traffic there as well. And you're going to spend your whole time in, in a car. So um, and I guess you could argue where you're going to be sat in an Uber car, but at least you're not driving and the pressure is off. So I would definitely recommend using Uber. The other app that I use a lot uh, is Lyft as well when I'm out there. I know a lot of other people use Lyft. Usually uh, Lyft is a little bit cheaper, I've found. Um, and also if you can't get an Uber, you can also try on Lyft as well. Uh, which is cheaper. Um, and there was another app as well that has just launched in Orlando, which is a rideshare app. But if you get all the rideshare apps on your phone, then when you're waiting, if one service is more expensive than the other, you can usually chop and change between services to find yourself a good deal. However, I have found Lyft to usually be a bit cheaper um, and, uh, and and just as good. So that's definitely one to to, one to download and get get up and running when you're out there and it works with apple pay as well so it's just no stress easy peasy yeah definitely okay so i'll move on to my uh lows i've got a few lows i've not got many lows because i would say that you know overall uh we had a really good time um i think last time we went to orlando it was a little bit mixed um our experience but actually we had a really good experience this time overall but we did have 
some laws which I'll I'll talk about. Now, the first one is well, we're British, so let's talk about the weather. Um, if you choose to go in September or even October or even uh, November, you are going to Orlando at a time where there's going to be tropical storms. There's going to be rain, probably a bit more rain than the normal sometimes for longer. And could even be hurricanes as well, or the offshoots of hurricanes. Now we were we were very lucky. Uh, there weren't any hurricanes. There were some hurricanes, but they didn't impact on Orlando while we were there. However, there were a few evenings and a couple of days where we did have long periods of rain. Now, a lot of people will say, "Oh, don't worry about it. You know, it'll rain for like an hour and then it dries up and it's fine." Well. In our experience, we had at least two evenings where it just rained all night. Um, and we had one afternoon. In fact, our last afternoon at Island Adventure, it started to rain at about 10 o'clock and it, it really didn't stop raining until later in the afternoon. We ended up leaving Island Adventure. Something you just need to be aware of. I mean, we were fully aware of that. We expected, we expected it. We were prepared for it. I had my Pleasure Beach poncho, um, which if you follow us on Instagram, you might have seen. Um, and it's just something to be aware of. So just factor that in uh, to your planning. Um, don't tie yourself down too much. Don't have too much of a busy schedule so that if it does really rain, that you can kind of pivot and, and do something else. And we did do that. We changed the day that we were going to go to Magic Kingdom and, and a few other things that we did. Which leads me on to our other law, which is the Magic Kingdom, which was an absolute nightmare. Um, it made me, this is something that I've consistently said on the podcast, that that I think that Disneyland Park at Disneyland Paris is a superior park to Magic Kingdom. And it just made me, the whole experience just made me appreciate that 100% it's a better park and 100% it's got a much better layout. And I'm, I much more appreciate the layout at Disneyland Paris than I do at Magic Kingdom. I don't know why it was, but it just... It just wasn't a good experience. I mean, obviously, we enjoyed watching Happily Ever After. I've not seen that before. That was really good. We went to Crystal Palace uh, to experience the character dining. That was really good. That's the Winnie the Pooh character dining. We loved that. Really good service. And in general, the the cast members everywhere, we had a great experience with the cast members. But I, the cast members had been let down by the fact that Magic Kingdom and, to a degree, Epcot are just... They're just not feeling. They're just not feeling the Disney magic at the moment. Uh, I don't know what it is with Magic Kingdom, but it just felt like it wasn't as pristine as it could as it could and should be. Ride availability was was hit and miss. Um, a lot of choke points. A lot of and it wasn't a very busy day. And um, it just it just wasn't a good experience. We just didn't really enjoy it. So I think we've said that on our next trip we would skip Magic Kingdom. Um, we didn't enjoy it. Epcot. There was a uh, a lot of people have said there's a lot of hoardings everywhere, a lot of construction. I don't understand what is going on with that central area. Epcot. They've been trying to put some trees in for about three years. It just kind of see my favorite part of Epcot is that whole future world area and it's just been taken apart it's such a shame um 
Yeah, so, so those were some big laws for us, I think. Can I ask, did you notice a um, when you're talking about how the magic is perhaps lacking somewhat in Magic Kingdom and Epcot, did you notice that from a staffing point of view? Like, was it the staff? Was it the cast members that were there that were seemed a bit kind of down? Or was it because of the environment was going through a shift in a change? There was lots of construction and stuff everywhere and things needed to be touched up or was it a staff thing no we didn't have any bad experiences with the cast members and in fact uh what i've said is that um a lot of people were saying to me be prepared for the cast members not to be as friendly or as magical as they have been in the past but actually in my experience uh i had a much more positive experience than i did when i went years ago um there was a few things that they weren't doing and i think this is a, a management thing not that it's not something the cast members just do spontaneously anyway but what i did notice is a couple of things so we rope dropped magic kingdom and we rope dropped epcot and we did that last time now when we went uh, when we went into um magic kingdom last time the staff were kind of lined up along um the street uh main street usa they had like you know the mickey gloves on and they're all like you know welcome to magic kingdom blah, blah. didn't do that this time so i was a bit like hmm okay what's that about because surely that's a big thing you know you want to kind of greet people coming in and i just wondered if it was down to do we just not have enough people to be able to do it or have they been told not to do it for some reason i don't know that was something i, I noticed um also, well, I never, I never saw that at Epcot, but I did last time went to Hollywood Studios. It was very similar. They had some guys driving around in cars and honking and going, bop, bop, you know, welcome to Hollywood Studios, the movie stars, you're going to be a movie star, all that kind of going on. There were none of that this time either. Um, so I don't know what that's about, but I, I guess they call it the streetmosphere. And while we did see quite a bit of streetmosphere, and one thing I did like is that they've kept some of the COVID um the kind of covid era experiences like for example chippendale coming out on the grass and trying to have a picnic and it all kind of ended in tears tiana kind of waving at you from uh the window they've kept some of that because i think it was actually really popular it's actually quite a good idea because you get to see a character without them getting kind of surrounded by everyone you know so it is good so yeah so i don't think it's a staffing thing i think it's just at the park someone's taken their eye off the ball <laughs> somewhere as far as the customer experience as far as the maintenance and the way things look and feel in the parks just didn't feel quite right to me and not as good as when we went last time and to a point that we're now saying that next time we go to orlando we will not go to magic kingdom unless something changes significantly it was such a poor experience that we just wouldn't go back so that's that's a shame really isn't it um from a disney yeah, perspective that is. Um, yeah yeah okay well I've, I've actually got a question for you then um i don't know if you've got any more lows to go um uh no the the only law i had was around pricing which i think we've done to death anyway which is yeah it's expensive so just be prepared um you know budget to your budget because i think we've said in we've said this in previous episodes that 
it is possible to go to Orlando on a inverted commas budget, you know, within reason, if you're careful. You are going to be in more quick service. You're going to be eating outside the parks. You're going to have to be careful about, you know, you, you maybe only going to be able to afford one or two character dinings or specialist dinings because they are expensive. Just make sure you budget to what you can afford and, and just kind of stick to the plan. And if you do that, you'll be okay. But if you kind of spend money without thinking about it, you will spend money very, very quickly and, and a lot of it. So that's just something to be aware of. Not particularly a low, but I, I was prepared for it was going to be expensive. But it just when you think about it, you think, oh, this is, this is expensive. So it does kind of dampen it a little bit, I guess, the more that you think about it. But yeah. I guess it's a, it's a, it's a, you're on a holiday, you're on a holiday kind of thing, right? Like, you know, you're there to have a good time, so you might as well enjoy it while you're there. Um, but also try not to go crazy because <laughs> we all know the uh, world of Disney store and a credit card is a wonderful pairing. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. I mean, what, what saved it a little bit is that I completely overpacked my suitcase. So even if I wanted to bring loads of stuff back, I had no room for it. So maybe that's a top tip. Don't leave loads of room in your suitcase. Otherwise, you will be tempted <laughs> to bring a lot back. I always um, love to buy a spirit jersey, as I'm sure does every other uh, Disney or theme park fan out there. Um, but perhaps I kind of possibly purposefully don't pack a spirit jersey so that I have an excuse to buy one when I'm there. Mm. well i i took i took my spirit jersey um and i only actually wore it on the last day because it was quite cool on the last day but otherwise i didn't wear it because it was so hot (laughs) so i had no purpose for one fortunately very good very good okay well i've got a question for you then this is going to come in two parts then um what's your most underrated ride of the trip part one Interesting question. Now, there's a ride that I didn't get to go on last time. I don't know why. I think I prioritized going on Captain EO over this ride for whatever reason. And then we had a, a book in the Garden Grill. Um, was Journey into Imagination. Now, <laughs> now, obviously, people really love Figment and all that kind of stuff. But I was kind of expecting it to be like, I mean, it is a little bit now. But I was kind of expecting it to be like, oh, this is quite boring but actually it's a really fun ride and if they um you know if they just updated it a bit and they could use some new technology and things but the animatronics were actually really good (laughs) the figment animatronics were really fun and all the scenes were really fun and the story had a really strong story to it as well it wasn't just here's a random thing something happens here's another random thing actually had a purpose and a story to it which we kind of would expect at epcot because that's kind of the whole point I would say that nobody goes to Disney saying, I really want to get on Journey to Imagination as like the first thing. Uh, but I would say that was a thing, one of the rides that we enjoyed the most. So I would say from an underrated ride perspective, I would say it was that. The only runner up to that would be the three Caballeros ride in Epcot as well. Yeah. But I think people I think people love that though, don't they? It's a bit of a sleeper hit, I think, is the three Caballeros uh great river great ride. choices. Great choices. I totally agree. Um I love Journey into Imagination. I love that specifically because of the end scene. Um 
where the whole room, they have the, 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 the flash gun and the whole room changes. And then you don't even realize you're moving into the station, right? Until you are. Oh, what an incredible effect that was, especially at the mm. time that it was made. That was really ahead of its time. Um, yeah. Which really I think is that. awesome. Yeah. And again, um, the three Caballeros, that ride, again, the whole ride restaurant situation is awesome. And really fun, simple, underrated ride there. I totally agree with you on those ones, Ryan. Um, yeah. Have you ever have you ever eaten in the restaurant next to the three Caballeros? The Mexican restaurant? No, we've mm. never eaten in there. Uh, we did consider it because I have a bit of a thing about eating in restaurants next to rides. I just kind of enjoy that. Like it's kind of so. When we went to Disneyland Paris, they have a, they have a couple that are like that. So the Ratatouille ride is next to the uh, exit. Uh, station for Ratatouille uh, for Remy's Ratatouille adventure and also you can go to Captain Jack's which overlooks uh, Pirates of the Caribbean so I did consider it because it overlooks that ride and I just like going to restaurants that are next to rides but um, I've heard mixed things on it I've heard um, it's okay but obviously it's in Epcot so it's kind of expensive at the same time we so. yeah so I this was years ago now years and years ago uh, I went with an old partner of mine and we ate in that restaurant and it was okay. The food was okay. It's definitely sold on the fact that you're, it feels very, very romantic because no matter what time of day it is, it's always kind of nighttime and the candles are flickering and you feel like you're outside. So for this setting uh, and the atmosphere, it's, it's really nice. The food wasn't the best, but um, the other ride, if you like those restaurants and ride combos, and I'm sure you know this, but um, the Garden Grill is also next to Living with the Land as well. So yeah, you can also yeah. get a view of that. Um, what was your view on that one? Did you like the Garden Grill? Yeah, loved it, yeah. Um, we went for dinner. Um, I did want to go for breakfast, but we just didn't manage to get into the schedule this time. So we went to Topolino's uh, for a character breakfast. Um, yeah, no, it's fun because it, it, it's a rotating restaurant. And I like that as well, like rotating restaurants. So it kind of ticks all the boxes for me. Um, we had like a dinner and it's like family style. And it, we had like thin sliced steak and we had sweet potato fries and mashed potato and some veg and stuff. And it's like all you, they call it all you care to enjoy. Um, but to be honest, after the first lot, we were fine. Because to me, what they bring you out is like enough for four people um so yeah i loved it uh and it wasn't i don't think it was that expensive and it to be honest it, it's normally easy to get a book in there it's it's very much an over because i think the land pavilion is obviously showing its age a little bit although i kind of like that i like that kind of dated you know look to it and so i just i think people discount it um, because I guess there's, there's so many restaurants in Epcot, you know, you can choose, take your pick, can't you? So I would recommend it. I'd recommend it. Um, but while we're, while we're talking about rides, I've got a couple of questions on Instagram that I'll just uh, quickly touch on. Because uh, Katie ID 16 has asked two questions. First one is favorite flat ride. Um, now, I think my answer to that is probably always going to be Dumbo, just because that's the ride that, you know, when you got a V, I don't know if you remember this, Sam, you might be too young, but when you used to get Disney on VHS and it used to have the 
advert at the beginning, you could go to Disney World and then they'd have the Dumbo ride on there. Mm. That was like mm. the first thing that you saw. And that was like, oh, I want to go on that. I want to go on that. I want to go on that. So even though it is just a, a spinny, spinny round ride in it, although they have two of them for capacity, which is impressive. Um, I would say that's my favorite flat ride. Then the second question is favorite roller coaster and park. Interesting. For me, I will go on. For me, it's going to be um, always the same answer, at least at the moment, until I've done Guardians, which will sure change it. But for me, for Disney property, Animal Kingdom and Expedition Everest is always going to be my number one go to favorite Disney roller coaster ever made. Yeah, I so for Disney, I, I would agree. Expedition Everest. Um, we got a couple more rides on this trip. Uh, I, I love it. I'm just thinking though, I think my when I think of the whole trip though to Orlando, probably my favorite roller coaster was probably Velocicoaster. With a caveat that the launches weren't intense enough uh for me. Uh and I guess they're not hydraulic launches, so they're not gonna be super intense, but I expected a little bit more from it. But it was still fun, you know, really good hang time, you know, constant speed, uh, really good length, uh, really enjoyed it. So I think overall, a toss-up between that and Hagrid's. Hagrid's was a really good ride, but overall, I would say I enjoyed Forty Coaster more. I love, I love Hagrid's. I think that is my favourite. If we're talking about favourite coasters in Orlando, I think Hagrid's still is my number one favourite roller coaster in the area as a whole. I think the story... The on-ride audio, the immersive queue line. I mean, it's very rare that I've... Cr- I'm not a Potterhead. I'm not a massive Harry Potter fan. Um, I appreciate it. And I love that it's contributed so much to British cinema and British pop culture. And um, and it's awesome that we've got these amazing worlds, uh, theme park worlds built out of it. Um, but it's very rare that I actually get emotional at the end of a roller coaster, but I I did. <laughs> I was so moved because I'd stayed spoiler-free th- spoiler for like five years for this coaster, and I had no idea what was coming on and what was going to mm. happen. And obviously, you can't see any of the, the hidden bits from the queue line. So... I, I was as we hit the break run, I burst into tears. <laughs> yeah, no, I yeah, first time I rode it, uh, didn't quite go that far, but um, I did. Um, it definitely hits you, doesn't it? Um, the second time we rode it was during a rainstorm, uh, and that that was interesting. <laughs> so um, didn't enjoy it as much the second time, but yeah, that's a really good ride. But I would say Velocicoaster favorite park. I would still say my favorite park is Universal Studios. Um, Because even though it doesn't have necessarily the best rides, I would say from an atmosphere, theming, and just the kind of overall feel of a park, I don't think anything quite beats Universal Studios, in my opinion. I know, Sam, you're going to say Animal Kingdom, I imagine. (laughs) You know me very well, yes. Uh, I... Well, it's between Animal Kingdom and Islands of Adventure, but no, I I adore Animal Kingdom. I think it's always been a special has a, it's always had a special place in my heart since I was a kid. Um but I think ultimately because it, it really, really feels like you're 
somewhere else. You know what I mean? You don't feel like you're at a theme park at times. I think some of the food options are really interesting. The landscaping is beautiful. And being an entertainment boy myself, so that's, I mean, I've worked in entertainment now for almost a decade, um, and specifically theme park entertainment, that park is very entertainment heavy. So um, there's constant entertainment and uh, kind of activations as well as the mainstay shows there that is really inspiring as a performer myself to go and watch and and kind of um, get the feels from. So uh, as well as it's home to some awesome uh, mix and variety of rides. So I love, yeah, I do love Animal Kingdom. Um, but quick, you know. quick mention about Animal Kingdom, though, is that something that we did at Disneyland Paris that we also did here, which you can do, and not a lot of people, because people always rides, 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 and then they kind of forget about the other stuff. But because we've, we've been before, uh, uh, you know, we we had the luxury of being able to do try and do things different that we haven't done before, and one of them was that at Rafiki's Planet Watch, uh, they do uh, a drawing class that you can go to, and so we did that. Um, and it's you know it's it's like a twenty minute experience, but you get to keep your drawing and you get taught how to draw a Disney character. We did it at Disneyland Paris. We did a couple of characters there. Um, so I would recommend that if you want to kind of get out of the sun, Rafiki's Planet Watch is, is always a, a recommend from my perspective. And they seem to do, uh, at Disneyland Paris, they, they don't, they seem to do them as often, the classes, but they were, they were literally doing one like pretty much every half an hour, uh, there. So you could go and pet some goats and then maybe draw a goat if you want, if that's what they're doing at the time. <laughs> but um, yeah, I'd recommend that as a bit of a bit of a sleeper hit, I think. A lot of sleeper hits today. Fantastic. We love a sleeper hit. We love a sleeper hit. Right. So uh, before we wrap up, though, um, we will do a more in-depth uh, episode on this because I think it needs its own episode. But I will briefly touch on Halloween Horror Nights because I know you, you're keen to hear about how that went them i imagine um, yeah I, i'm so curious to this year it's had so much so many mixed reviews i've had people going i got a friend who's out there at the currently at the moment i know you've just gone out there i've had more friends going out and there's just so much hype some people loving it some people saying otherwise uh lots of mixed reviews um yes also i think it's really interesting as well um that in the Hollywood activation of HHN, they've actually turned the Waterworld stage into a purge show, so into a stunt show based off the purge, which is really cool. And shout out to um, to my friend Chris, who'll be listening. He's a director that I worked with uh, here at my current job, and he uh, is actually currently in that show. He's a he's a stunt man there, so um, shout out to him for everything that he taught me over this uh, this contract so far but it's um it's awesome like that is so cool to have a purge based uh stunt show you know what i mean i think that's that's pretty awesome yeah that sounds really good um all right well let me um let me try and give an overview of some of our thoughts um so we were quite lucky we did because we stayed at Universal, we did a number of nights at um, HHN, uh, Halloween Horror Nights. We did four nights. We bought the Rush of Fear ticket, which I think was new to this year. 
the Russia Fear ticket allowed you to, I think it covered every day or at least a lot of the dates in September. So when we were there, um, it covered four nights. So we did four nights at um, Halloween Horror Nights. The first night, it absolutely hammered it down, uh, raining. So we sat in the bar at Cabana Bay until about eight or nine o'clock. And then we thought, if we're going to go, we're going to have to go. So I took my socks off, uh, put my shoes back on and uh, put my poncho on and we headed out to Universal Studios. Um, first impressions, you know, um, is all the, the smoke and uh, all the lights and, and the atmosphere, uh, like really impressive. Uh, the music, love the music. It's all like metal music and stuff, which is up my street. However, because it was raining, the scare zones weren't operational. Some of the houses were down, not operational. I didn't really understand that because they're inside, but I guess the queue lines were potentially compromised because of the rain. That resulted in gigantic queues, and it was really, really busy. I don't know why, but that night there seemed to be a number of large tour groups. There were just constantly people flowing in going in flowing in flowing in and i was like how how many people like can go into this park like we went in late and there was hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people going into the park and i was getting a bit worried about that um so we didn't get in any houses that night it just wasn't gonna we weren't gonna hang around for an hour in the rain in a queue it wasn't gonna happen however uh a lot of people not a lot of people know this but um well, probably people who like Halloween Horror Nights know this, but maybe other people don't realise. But some of the rides are open. So they have The Mummy, they have uh, Men in Black, and um, and they have Gringotts and one other ride that, that I'm, I'm failing to remember. But so we went and went on Men in Black, and we, we uh, then decided to just try some of the food. However, we went to one of the counters, and, and considering that this is like, probably like 10 o'clock at night at this point we went to one of the counters to try one of the burgers and they said oh actually we, we don't have any burgers at the moment and i'm thinking this this night is a disaster like if i had paid just to go that night i would be really really upset because a number of the houses were down the scare zones weren't working and even trying to get food was a nightmare as well. So we ended up going to the Minion Cafe instead, which uh, we ended up going again later on in the holiday. It's fantastic, by the way. Uh, definitely recommend it. So not a great start to Halloween Horror Nights. A bit of a disaster. And um, I did actually overhear someone when I was at Disney talk about that evening. They only had a ticket for Halloween Horror Nights that night, and they were absolutely gutted that... They they tried to get around some of the houses. Uh, obviously, some of them were closed for a period of time. They ended up just kind of going home. So they spent like seventy dollars, and they obviously didn't get the evening that they were expecting, which is a massive shame. However, because we had another three nights, we thought, right, we need a game plan. Let's have a game plan. <laughs> Let's make sure we get around these houses. So for the for the three other three nights that we went, we we went into the park early, as in we got in there by. Uh, I think around half three, four o'clock, something like that. The park closed at five and the event started at half six. 
or seven. I can't remember. It might have been house six or seven. I kept getting that mixed up. But you can do something called stay and scream if you've got either a stay and scream ticket, if you've just got the event, or you've got a park ticket as well, which we had. So we did stay and scream in the New York area on the first night. And that is absolutely the best way to get around some of the houses without there being that many people in the park. We queued up first for the Stranger Things uh, maze. And while um, we weren't particularly early for that stay and scream, so we were in a queue and we probably still waited half an hour, I'd say, to get into the Stranger Things maze. But once we did, we kind of had the pick of any other maze that we wanted. So we we did a couple more mazes. And then after we did um, a couple mazes in the immediate area, we then went over to the Chucky maze as well. We did that one as well. So we did those and we we had to wait a little bit in, Ch- in the Chucky maze because the park had opened, but we still only waited like 20 minutes. After that, then the queue started to go up and up and up and the queues were like an hour, 90 minutes. I think at one point Stranger Things was like two hours or something. So at that point, then we tried the food. We finally got to try the food and then we got to about nine o'clock and we just thought, Right, well, let's just go back to the hotel. So not bad. So we decided not to stay late because I think we had to be at either Magic Kingdom or Epcot the next day. I can't remember. The next night that we went to, we then did the uh, Last of Us Stay and Scream, which was at Springfield. So in the Springfield area, um, we were much earlier for that one. So we were probably like 15th in the queue. So we got straight in uh, to Last of Us. Um after The Last of Us, though, the only problem was is because the mazes, most of the mazes are are in the back lot area, and the exit line for The Last of Us was miles and miles and miles and went all the way from one side of the park back to E.T., and it took like 20 minutes to just walk back through the exit. <laughs> then we had to turn around and then go back to Monsters. And despite Universal Monsters literally being in a soundstage right next to The Last of Us, we had to do like a 25-minute walk to go all the way back around again. So we lost a bit of time then. Um, But we got around some of the houses. Uh, Universal Monsters was one that didn't fill up very early, so we literally walked straight into that. Then we did some other ones. Then on the final night, we did... Uh, the New York Stay and Scream again, but this time we queued up, we went into the Exorcist queue, and we were pretty much near the front for that one. And then we did uh, Yeti, I think, that night as well. And then the final the final maze that we needed to do, which I keep messing up what it's called. I think it was called... In fact, let me check this, because I kept calling it different things. So the final maze that we need to do was uh, Blood Moon Dark Offerings. Now, the tricky thing about that maze was that it was right at the park entrance. And what was kind of weird is, even though we were doing the stay and scream, and we got round uh, a couple of the mazes, when and we, it, the park still hadn't opened yet, they actually didn't allow us to go down to Blood Moon because it was right at the park entrance and they were about to open the park and do the opening ceremonies. They they literally held us at the top near New York and they were about to open the gate. So that we saw the final ceremonies and then it became like a Hunger Games situation. <laughs> they lit- they opened the gates and then they let us go. The two crowds just ran at each other <laughs> and we had to just leg it 
towards this crowd to get into Blood Moon. I'm, I said to Shelley, like, right, we need to, we're going to have to run. I'm not queuing for this. Like, we, we've been here for ages now. We did get in. Luckily, we got in in the first batch. But, um, yeah, you need to be prepared to run what, if you want to get what into an that intense. <laughs> What an intense Halloween Horror Nights experience. Sounds good, though. Well, do you know what? Actually, and I say maybe we can do this at another time because I really want to go into detail about each of the mazes and maybe we can hear your hear your rankings as well if we do do that of what ranks where and what was good about each of them. Um, but that just sounds bonkers that there was two crowds versing each other and running around. It was it was pretty bonkers. They should have just let us through, really. I don't know why they held us up, uh, because we could have easily just, like... Do, and there weren't even that many of us. There was maybe, like, 30 of us, and they just held us. And we could have just easily... They could have just cordoned off the sidewalk area, and we could, they could have just said, oh, can you just kind of just make sure you go down that side just so we don't have... But instead, they preferred us to run at each other. So how does that sound like a better idea than just literally letting us walk through anyway and just filter through? I don't know. But yeah, I won't go through all the mazes in this episode, but I will tell you what I thought the best and the worst was of Halloween Horror Nights. And uh, I don't know, it might be controversial. Now, I'll start with the worst. Um, We thought that the worst were actually annoyingly the ones that we had to queue well in fit we didn't have to queue for the last of us that much but had the biggest queues at the park the two weakest mazes were the last of us and stranger things now i don't think it's necessarily because they were bad mazes but because they were formulaic um stranger things in particular we just finished watching stranger things we said we're gonna have to watch stranger things before we go uh because we haven't caught up on it i know that it's been out for ages uh the 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 last series but it literally just was the story of the series and so because you knew what was going to happen it was like oh yeah well this is going to happen next oh and this is going to happen next and so while you had these you know jump scares every now and then it was like oh now we go to the next scene oh oh, the jump up thing all right okay there was a couple of cool scenes in there um we had um eddie you know playing the guitar like he does yeah i don't think that's a spoiler because i think it's been out for ages now playing metallica that was good but i think ultimately because they were formulaic because they're based on a thing they're based on last of us is based on a game and the tv show strange things is based on a tv show it was just too formulaic for me um and then the other weakest ones were uh, chucky because it just had bad pacing because it was in like two halves and then you had to kind of like queue up to get into the second half and it kind of just broke it all up and it they had it in the fast and furious um queue line area and so it just it just wasn't ideal it just felt it didn't feel right um and then the other one we've put down as one of the weakest was dueling dragons unfortunately because it was just pretty much Oh, there's a dragon. Oh, there's another dragon. Oh, there's a there's a dragon. And then at the what what was cool about it is at the end, you could then choose you know, choose thy fate, and you could choose thy fate and have a go into the ice ending or go into the fire ending. Now we chose to go into the ice ending, and there was then some some sort of icy dragons, and then we kind of got like spooked by this kind of snow wizard at the end. <laughs> Which did successfully get a jump out of me, but that was kind of, that was kind a of the coolest. Snow part. wizard. 
Yeah, it was like a snow wizard, and the snow wizard goes, "Was you have saved the kingdom, whatever?" And that is snow not what I expected. That I... Snow wizard. So you get so the end of it is a snow wizard. Spoiler, spoiler alert! Um, just so you know, <laughs> it's just the way in your northern accent. You're like, we then got spooked by a snow wizard. <laughs> well, we did. Um, Probably anyway. scary. Red or red or blue, he said. So I said, "I'm going to go blue." He showed me a snow wizard at the end. He <laughs> yeah. said, "Hey, said, hey. <laughs> he said, said, hey, up, hey, up, Chuck, you want a cup of tea? You chose a blue ending. Uh, Should have gone yes. red. Well, better. snow wizard. Yeah. So I don't know snow if you get like wizard. a. I don't know if you go That's through. Right. Yeah, and I don't know if you get a fire wizard if you go through the other side. I don't know, but um, anyway. <laughs> oh dear, that really made me chuckle. Gosh. So, so they were the weakest ones in in our opinion. Not necessarily because. <laughs> now, I, I just want to be clear that um... snow wizard, snow wizard, snow yes. wizard. <laughs> All right. That is my favorite. Have you have you never seen Have you never seen a snow wizard? Have you never seen a you never uh, seen a snow wizard. All these oh. Americans going past the queue, was it? What was it scary in there? No, it wasn't. It was just a snow wizard at the end. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, with his, with his big staff. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway. Um, so oh, apart, dear, from the, apart from the snow wizard. So uh, the best ones, in our opinion... Uh, I I think this is not everyone's favorite, but was in my top three was Universal Monsters, um, because they had a pretty cool, they had Phantom of the Opera in there that were pretty cool. Uh, you don't often see Phantom of the Opera out in the wild, and then they had quite a cool scene with the Invisible Man, who was like everywhere, like like mirrors and stuff, not really cool. And then they probably had the most impressive effect in Universal Monsters, in my opinion, which was the Hunchback of Notre Dame leaping off a tower towards you on a bungee cord. But then you didn't realize it was on a bungee cord. I always thought, this guy is going to run and jump at us. <laughs> I thought he was going to genuinely land on us, but he didn't. It was on like a bungee cord. That was That was intense. So that was good. That was good. So I, I put that in my top three because I thought, well, you thought about this effect. Now, the other one was Dr. Ed Oddfellows. That was kind of... Um, now, ironically, the, the the next two that were my favourite, they were not in sound stages. They were in, like, these kind of temporary sort of tent-type buildings that I guess they have... Um, and Dr. Oddfellows was kind of like a, a walk through a kind of circus, um, you know, that's not like this kind of sinister circus. And there was a lot of really cool scenes. Like there was a scene that you went through that was like a clown's makeup area. And it was like, there was, it was just really good. Like the feel, it had this kind of really creepy, claustrophobic vibe about it. And I really enjoyed that. However, the number one maze, in my opinion, and I think other people agree with this, was The Darkest Deal. The Darkest Deal was a kind of 
southern american uh like club scene that you're going into and people were selling their soul to the devil and and there's like the the phrase that he does when he he, he kind of greets you as he goes in he said the deal is done and all that kind of stuff and it was pretty cool and there was a lot of really cool effects and really good acting um there was a scene that you went through where you're in like this nightclub and he's like playing a guitar and then the guy who's um, trying to take his soul turns up. He's like, "Your soul is mine," and then he kind of like freezes, and it's like he's been possessed, and it was like a really good effect. Loved it. So, and that was again because it was in the same kind of building as Doctor Oddfell, as it also had this kind of claustrophobic uh, effect to it as well. So, yeah. So that so those are my best and worst of Halloween Horror Nights. I don't know. Have you heard anything? different to what i've been saying or anything you want to clarify that people have said so far about halloween horror nights uh no no not at all i think it's great um that that you spoke about the hunchback of notre dame in uh, the monsters unmasked as that definitely has i've heard that quite a few times from people saying that is a fantastic effect um i've experienced that in a maze uh from years ago 2416 actually 2017 pardon me sorry uh in a maze called the, the hive um which was a vampire maze uh and they had a similar bungee effect and it completely KO'd me i mean literally i was on the floor um in fear so um i'm assuming it's a similar effect obviously i'm not there and i've not done it so i don't know but um if if that when when they do the bungee jump well, it's it's absolutely terrifying. So um, it's funny that you mentioned that because I've also heard that from a lot of people. So no, I just between that and the snow wizard, fantastic. Yeah, and um, you know, worth saying that we tried some of the food. We had the uh, ravioli rations from the Last of Us. Um, we had the carnival hot dog because it doesn't sound very appetizing, but I thought, well, I need to try it. But it was like a hot dog with like a bubblegum mustard on it. And that was um, in like a kind of sweet bread. <laughs> and that was uh, with like confetti in it and, you know, like sweet confetti. Um, that was really weird, but um, interesting. Um, Shelley had the uh, cordyceps uh, corn dog, uh, but she kind of found that to be a bit. It was just mainly like cheese and obviously a bit of sausage. She kind of found that a bit greasy. Uh, cordyceps is... A, what's kind of weird is cordyceps is a mushroom. It's a fungus that grows on uh, like bugs. Uh, but it's like a really expensive uh, type of mushroom. So I, was, I wasn't really sure whether Universal had like taken up the world's supply of cordyceps or whether it wasn't really cordyceps. But that's what they were saying anyway. Um, also tried the uh, Bludder burger, the peanut Bludder burger, which is like a, I've shared a picture of it on Instagram. It's like this red burger. It's like a bacon and uh, sort of cheeseburger with like a cranberry sort of sauce in it and peanut butter. And that was pretty nice. Uh, I enjoyed that. So it was good to try some of the food as well. And that's one of the advantages of going over four nights. Um, if you're thinking of going to Halloween Horror Nights, um you're going to really struggle to do it in one night. I mean, I know it's open between sort of half six, seven until about two in the morning, but you know, the, the houses, the queues um, after 
after they've opened the gates, you know, the queues are going up to an hour or longer. I would say at bare minimum, if you only have one night, then you must buy the express pass um, if you want to get through all the houses. But to be honest, you know, if you want to get the full experience, you need to be going for at least, you know, a couple of nights or doing what we did and get the Rush of Fear ticket. If you can afford it, maybe get the frequent fear ticket, but I don't think it's necessarily needed. I think you could, you know, in three nights. I think, to be honest, if we hadn't have had the really rainy night, we would have obviously done it all in three nights. But it was good having that kind of bonus day so that the day that did go wrong, at least we could make up for it on all the other nights as well. Um, So that would be my recommendation. If you're going to go to Halloween Horror Nights and you're really into going to scare mazes, don't just go for one night You, if you want to experience the full thing because you'll just rush around. You'll go house, 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 and then that's the end of the night because there's, I think it's 10, 10 houses, 10 or 11 houses. That's a lot to get through. You know, if you go to Alton Tower Scare Fest, they're going to have, you know, what, like four, maybe four, and then some scare zones. You know, that's definitely doable, and that's a whole day event in Scare Fest, uh, although the mazes will open later on um it's it's definitely on a much larger scale than that so just be prepared but we'll talk about it in a bit more detail in a future episode because i'm sure that brett will have lots of questions uh and he'll want to interrogate me on on how it went and maybe uh by then maybe dan will have experienced it as well so maybe we can compare notes as well yep absolutely i think uh halloween horror nights is its own beast isn't it so i think we should definitely definitely do a deep dive into hhn Definitely, definitely. Okay, so before we finish, this has been quite a, quite a bumper episode. Is there any uh, final thoughts or anything that you want to end on, Sam? I just think, uh, you know, take your Florida vacation in the way you want to. Um, listen back to some of our episodes that we did. We did um, quite a we did quite a bit of quite a bit of a deep dive into both Disney and Universal, and also Florida bits as well, as it seems to be a hotspot for all of us. So, however you choose to do Orlando, your way is perfectly valid. Um, but use the resources that we've got out on the podcast as um, they will be helpful. And I'm glad you had a good trip, Ryan. We did. We had a really good trip. So yeah, really enjoyed it. I don't think we'll be back for another few years. I think what we've said is we'll probably go in December again next time. Although I did enjoy all the Halloween stuff. Um, I, I think overall, I think I, I think I enjoyed the time of year at December a little bit more. So I think we'll probably go in December again next time. So that's the only thing. But overall, we enjoyed it and had a really good time. So it was good. Okay. All right. So before we finish then, I don't know if you want to tell people about your Instagram, Sam, or anything. Yeah. Yeah, sure. So, um, yes, you can find me on at Costa Sam blog on Instagram. Um, I don't really post on there anymore. Um, unfortunately, it's sort of had to take a bit of a back burner. But what I will do is promote, um, if I may, Ryan, my other a podcast, which I run, which is a very niche thing, but it's about cruise ships. It's called At Cruising with Crew. Um, that would really help me out uh, with some cruise ship content. So if you're a theme park person, you're probably also a cruise ship person as they weirdly go hand in hand a lot of the time with theme park people, Disney people. And also cruise ship people. We're kind of all one crowd. So definitely have a look on there. That's at Cruising with Crew. Um, but yeah, either one of those, drop drop me a message and um, 
when, uh, yeah, I'm in cup on that. DM and chill. Don't uh, say it. I knew you were going to say it. <laughs> Sorry, I just can't resist it. You just leave it hanging there every time. <laughs> Okay, all right. So Theme Park Loopy, uh, probably best to find us on Instagram or Facebook at Theme Park Loopy. Uh, we're also on uh, YouTube and Twitter. And if you're listening to this episode and you're not already following or subscribed, then just make sure you click that button so you don't miss any other episodes. And if you've enjoyed this episode, please do consider leaving us a rating or a review. You can, on Spotify, you can leave a rating. And on Apple, you can leave a review. Uh, we've had uh, a recent review, uh, actually. Um, and just shout out to Coaster Glitch for your review. We really appreciate it. And thank you for listening. Uh, I think you're a new listener. Um, and I hope you enjoy the uh, back catalogue and all the future episodes that we have to offer as well. So thank you for that. And welcome to the Theme Park Loopy family, as is everyone. So thanks for joining us. And we'll see you again real soon.